I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? Hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our review of round 21 and preview of round 22. This episode is brought to you by California Coaching Company. Let our experts help your favorite California MLS team connect with qualified candidates today. Uh, no, no, um, actually brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the awesome subreddit community of r slash fantasy mls i'm your host reed Connolly from mlsfantasyboss.com and tonight uh small group but i'm joined by some seasoned co-hosts michael denton blaine riffle and little lily riffle how is everyone doing tonight doing well doing well reed we're doing good we call over lily here. our special guest can't we yeah you yeah. can call her that yeah <laughs> special guest lily there we go well, i mean she's been on the show two or three times before i mean i think that's more than jason at this point <laughs> True, yeah, true. This season, yeah. Gallivanting watching baseball or something ridiculous like that. I don't know what he's doing, but he's not here to Madness. share his thoughts with us. Doesn't love everyone as much as he claims. Well, guys, uh, speaking of things that don't love people as much as they claim, round 21. Wow. Uh, for me, kind of a disappointment overall, but I uh, will let you guys just sort of talk about how you did first, and then we'll get into this thing. Mike. Yeah, um, outside of the double game week, I, I did okay. You know, had Kleshin, had Win, Almiron, and Rusnak, decent returns. Um, but it was that double game week part that really bit me. Didn't pass on Sapong and had Abu Bakar and Captain Miram, which was the, the triple crown of stupid this week. Uh, and I hit it. Um, other than Brad Guzan, uh, didn't get a clean sheet, although I did avoid the Dallas disaster that some people fell into. Uh, had red arrows, um, 87. It wasn't a huge drop, so I, I guess I can be thankful for that, but just an ugly, weird week. Yeah, right. same on my end. I mean, I ended with 82 this week. Um, the double game week, I was just... I thought I thought Columbus would do a little more than they did. Uh, Stefan really <clears throat> impressed. Um, Kamara was the highlight of the week for that. Uh, Captain Miram, which was stupid. And then again, Abu Bakr, who picks up that stupid second yellow. Hit my money, hit the points. I mean, it ended with nothing, only a single game on the week. Just a lot of bad mistakes. The rest of it was just kind of hit and miss all over the board. I went heavy with Atlanta and RSL and got decent returns on that. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I, I also misread that that Philly Columbus game as well. Uh, the, the red cards, Mike and I talked about it a little bit before uh, it just totally changes a game. And so I, I feel like we can't be completely faulted at that, especially when the two red cards go to your two central defenders. That's, that's just such a pain, but Sapong came out just, just gangbusters. So big congrats to him, but then Philly dropped the ball later on in the round getting just smashed three Oh, to Philadelphia for my team, uh, I got 81. Curse you, Blaine, and you're 82. Um, curse you. Uh, but um, I didn't really get to take advantage of many of these 4-0 victories that happened. I had some New York players. I had th lots of the big midfielders, like you also mentioned, Mike. I had had Win. I had Almiron. I had Rusnak. They got decent points. Captain Merrim, not great. I had Elliot, and I had Stefan in the back. Uh, those were those were good, Stefan. Um, but my forwards, Torres and Yerudi, did not come through like I had hoped and uh, did not. Lots of red arrows, a couple of greens in the head-to-heads, but uh, mostly red and disappointing. It's it's tight. I'm, I'm at 148 overall right now, and uh, I'm at 112.4 in value. So I think I kind of stayed in the same general range of where I was already. But let's break down, though. We, we talked about this as madness, so... What's your general take on all this? Let's start with, uh, I think I love the way Mike phrased this. We had four Quattro Acero games. So uh, w what do you make of just these crazy scorelines, Mike? Uh, just kind of some of these teams are, are just getting pummeled. 
Um, I, I think that that's the case with DC United. Uh, now they did have a late flight into Minnesota. I think they flew in the day of the game, which that's just a really rough thing to to do in MLS, especially then then go play on artificial turf. But um, I mean, like the New York City to Toronto game. I think that was one that just got out of hand t towards the end. Uh, a lot of them just kind of got out of hand towards the end. If you watch the highlights of the New England-Philadelphia match, uh, I think three of those goals were, or two of those goals were at the end. Uh, same with, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of, there's too many four uh, to, to zero games this week, but, but a lot of them were just got out of hand towards the end. I think this case is New, New York-Montreal uh, as, as well. Um but I mean, so, some of them are legitimately with Montreal and DC United. Their defenses are bad, and at this point in the season, offenses are getting in rhythm enough where they're able at home to just pound these guys. Uh, and I think we saw a lot of that this week. Roger, you blame what you take from these things? Oh, these games. Some teams are getting back into form, and it's parody in MLS. I mean, Minnesota to go out and put up four after a couple of lackluster offensive performances is a real good rebound for them. Um, I know it's D.C., but that's kind of what they needed. Um, not quite sure what happened with New York City on this one. I mean, I, they're supposed to be a top team in the East and then just get blown out like this. It's a little disheartening for them. Well, but let me again, tell you, his name is Andrea Pirlo, and he started <laughs> for some unforeseen, <laughs> unknown reason. And I mean, literally everyone that I follow from New York City, when they saw Pirlo was in the lineup, said, we lose. And that was it. And weren't, sure they, enough, weren't they missing someone to yellow card accumulation, though? Uh, no, they had a, um, a and Herrera was suspended for the red card for last week. But I mean, we didn't have Herrera for the first part of the season and didn't start Pirlo. I don't know why... Uh, Mikey Lopez didn't get the start, you know, to have someone who is competent at playing soccer on the field uh, <laughs> instead of Andre Pirlo, who does is such a liability defensively. I mean, you've, you've all seen the gist of him hiding in the wall and him giving Giovinco acres and acres of space, and he doesn't give you much of anything offensively. In fact, he's such a liability offensively because Maxi Morales and David Villa have to stay back in order to prevent to have some sort of defensive cover. And so every part of New York City suffers when he is on the field. I don't know why. I mean, you can read a number of articles today from New York City blogs talking about how much worse. Uh, I think New York City without Pirlo is at 2.25 points a game, and with Pirlo is at one point a game. That's right. how much of a difference. I mean, they're from they're at like DC United with Pirlo, and are <laughs> the best team in the league without him. It, it boggles clearly, my mind that he starts. Clearly, the answer is that we were, or many of us were, ragging on Geo last week. So he just <laughs> needed to, to bust out, and uh, with with our Via curse that that comes and goes, it was just a perfect storm. Yeah. A fantasy cursory. Uh, th there's several other games. So Go ahead, Blaine. Yeah, I wanted to finish up two quick thoughts. Um, we talked about Vancouver with Freddie Montero earlier this year. Yeah. Um, this was them showing us exactly what this team is capable of against one of the best defenses in the league. I know Dallas may be down a little bit this year defensively, but that was just a monster performance on the road of all things. Um, this is going to be a Vancouver team to watch out for really the rest of the year and come playoff time. So fantasy wise, keep an eye on these guys because in the right matchups, they can really go off. And then I will eat some words. I've been a Red Bull hater all season long. Um, I'm still not hundred percent sold on them. And I think Montreal's way down this year, but these last few weeks, they have really turned it on. Um, I'll eat my words and say they are better than I was expecting them to be at this point. They stay away from question and look at Royer going forward a couple <laughs> weeks ago. And uh, I grabbed him in draft that week. I said that, and he has been nothing but fire since then. Um, and he is on PKs. So if you're looking at one Red Bull guy every week, his price and his production, uh, it's got to be Royer. Yeah, well said. So the, the few other games that I do want to mention, I, I want to give you guys a second to talk about them because there's a lot of great things to talk about, I think. Uh, let's start out first, Blaine. I want you to talk about Sporting Kansas City and Orlando. Yes, that's right. Let's bring up the Dwyer trade. Um, yeah, so I, went, I actually wanted to jump in and say, you know, I missed last week. I really wanted to talk about Petkey and his little childish rant with the printouts. 
but you know Petkey's trying to influence MLS with the printer. Uh, Vermi's just fundamentally changed how we look at the transfer window with this move. Um, I'm sad to see Dwyer go. I really am. He was a fan favorite, nice guy. Met him a couple times and just always friendly. But in the end, when you're offered that type of money for a player, it's really hard to say no. Um, what I think Vermes said was this is going to triple the amount of money they can throw at the roster and buy down salaries doing this deal internally where uh, compared to selling him outside the league. And I know last year there was a $2.5 million offer for him, which would have translated to about $75,000 more that they would have gotten after the league takes their cut. But only 650000 of that like 1.6 million could have been used towards the roster. The rest has to go other places or the owners can pocket that money. So this was a huge win for Kansas city on that one. But if you think Lauren's going to go, this is great for Orlando going forward. And the welcome Dwyer got when he got off the plane was uh, second to none really anywhere I've seen in the league for a new player coming in. So all around, I think it's a win for everybody. Um, and I hate to say it, but Kansas City is looking looked good without him. Um, it's I'm happy for it. Um, they've done the numbers. We we ran it. They've scored seven goals in the last three games in which Dwyer hasn't played. Uh, he missed the first one for international duty. The second one was with the trade coming up. They decided to sit him out before the trade, and then the first game after the trade. And that's a better average than Kansas City's had all season. And I know earlier when this first broke, uh, Blaine and I, we got into a conversation about was this smart, was this good? And, and my big point was where are the points going to come from? Where are the goals going to come from? How is Dwyer going to get integrated into that Orlando team? And I think that was answered this week, Blaine, if you want to talk about it from that fantasy point of view. And Mike, feel free to join in. The goals are going to come from Blessing and probably Shaloi. Uh, yeah, and really Rubio. I mean, there's some talk about Ruby or Blessing stealing Rubio's goal there. Uh, the way it just sneaked in the post, I don't know if that was on frame or not from Rubio. So Blessing getting a little insurance touch is worth it. But those three were fluid together. They were on the same page. Um, don't know who's going to start, though. You've got options. I really think you're going to see Blessing, Rubio, and Gerso on the field together. And Shallowy's going to see the bench. But they could platoon it, look for some early subs, and get some of these guys in. But those three this week were just on the same page. They were rotating. They were working as a unit, which is something we haven't seen in Kansas City for a long time. Dwyer was definitely a lone wolf. He was up there harassing. He wasn't in a normal position. He was doing his thing, which is what Vermes had asked him to do. I'm not knocking him for that. Team yeah. is working together as a unit, and they look a lot more deadly. And Rubio was looking to pass first on a lot of those entry balls where Dwyer always looked a goal. So if he's going to be a pass first type of forward, look for assists there and look for everybody else to benefit from that. And they have great price points as well with Rubio at 6.9, Blessing at 7.4, and Chelloe at 4.6. So great yeah. value. And on the other side, I, I think this really hurts Orlando. I, I don't think Kyle Laren and Dom Dwyer fit together at all, but it seems like the, at least, on, I mean, the, the reports are that Orlando's trying to hold on to Laren uh, until the winter so that they can get more allocation money for him. But if they're starting them two together, I think they're really competing for the same kind of territory, and that's always a problem. Um, I, I don't think this is a good move for Orlando. This pretty much hamstrings them for a while. Uh, I'm a New Orleans guy, and to me this reminds me of the Ricky Williams trade where we traded all our draft picks for one guy. But that's kind of the – this is the MLS equivalent. Um, I, I think this is a terrible move for Orlando and for fantasy – you're really just going to keep seeing, you know, Dwyer score a goal here and there, Laren will score a goal here and there, Kakala do, you know, something incredible one minute and then give up a last-minute goal the next. So uh, I think for Orlando's perspective, this is just makes their fantasy options even less appealing to me. Yeah, definitely fantasy-wise, I think this hurts Orlando. <clears throat> I think Lauren's numbers are going to directly take a hit. I actually think Dwyer's numbers might go up a little bit being in Orlando. Um I listened to his interview before the game. Uh, he said he grew up in a two-striker system, and playing in Kansas City was definitely different. Um, I saw I was, I was watching him specifically this week just to see how the fantasy impact would be and what runs he was going to make. 
he was looking to get in dangerous spots. And I saw I saw a few times where his teammates just weren't getting him the ball when he was making those runs. I think as time goes on, he's going to be more and more of a pest for defenses, and he's going to make those runs that we saw him making Kansas City. It's just his teammates are going to find him. And I think that'll open up space for everybody. So I wouldn't look at Orlando right now for fantasy options unless they've got a really good matchup. But I think give it three, four weeks as you get a little bit closer to the end of the season and watch and see what happens because I think this team is going to become a lot more dynamic and you're going to see a lot more guys taking shots after this. One of the other big trades that happened this round was actually not on the player side, but uh, big coaching news. Big coaching news. We heard about Bob Bradley coming to L.A., but the other L.A. coach getting on the ground right now is uh, Siggy is in and Onalfo is out out uh we were talking about that some before the game started big game la versus seattle ends up with a zero zero draw i was saying that um i kept stock in allison drini not on my team but just uh, in the latest mls article top 50 player rankings i had i kept him in the top 10 because i think with siggy there he has some value as well as some incoming talent to la that he could still be a must-have player and um, still is the clear production go-to, but Blaine, that's not how you see it. Yeah, I just, I'm not a Siggy fan in general. I think he's going to help the team. I think you're going to see better production from them. I just, I don't think they're going to get too much better overall. Now, uh, Dos Santos, which I know is your next point, may make a difference when he comes in, but you're looking at Giovanni Dos Santos, who hasn't done much. And maybe that's the coach. Maybe that's the roster and the injuries. I'm not sure what's going on in L.A., but I'm not sure it's all just coaching. Um, and also, his response to being fired was eye-opening, best road record in the league, talking about how many guys had missed time and how many players had missed double-digit games, especially on the defense. I mean, Robbie Rogers is down for the season. Stair has missed double digits. A couple other guys have missed quite a bit of time. Rowe's been out for a significant time. It's just I don't know that he was given a fair shot, and maybe Siggy turns it around. Maybe it's just a healthy player's coming back, turns this around. I don't know, but there's a lot going on in L.A. It's just it's hard to pin it all on the coach this season. And you know what? I said it at Seattle. Siggy was not going to win an MLS Cup with Seattle. They were going to have to get rid of him if they wanted to get one. They let him go, win one the same year. I just I don't know that Siggy's up to speed in MLS anymore. I think he can put together a roster, put together the players that need to be out there. But when it, when push comes to shove, I don't know if he can coach a championship again. If he does, it's going to probably be on more talent than the other team and guys going out individual brilliance more so than his coaching. Mike, so I'm not a huge fan of this move. Uh, I, I think this is a necessary move for LA. I, I don't think that what an alpha was doing was worth working at all. Uh, their defense got so much worse, and yeah, they had Robbie Rogers, but they had Cole and uh, John Van Dam uh, for most of the most of the time that they had. Now. Or, Van Dam kept getting yellow cards and red cards, suspensions. But, I mean, that's on the coaching because he was put in situations where he had to pick up those cards. Um, you know, they brought in Pedro. They brought in Jermaine Jones try to, you know, to shore up the defense to make it super stout, and it said it's very leaky at home. Um, the offense wasn't clicking. Just top to bottom, nothing was working under Arnolfo's leadership. And, yeah, there were injuries, but I, I think the core pieces were still there so that he should have done more. Um, this is MLS, and the Galaxy have a good academy system. They're supposed to be the kind of team that takes so, can handle these kinds of injury situations, and they were terrible. Uh, they, they're, they're pretty much out of the playoff picture right now. They're going to have to have a Ladero-esque miracle to get in, and, and that's just not where L.A. wants to be. Uh, I, I know there's some concern and some question as to whether or not they were going all in on the youth movement. And I think they kind of haphazard did that. So I can kind of have some sympathy for Arnolfo there, but in, in the end it was the right move. Yeah. And I agree with Mike. And just to reference back to that home away situation, I know you're talking about Blaine, the away games are significantly harder in MLS. It's, it's I mean, we've seen the stats, um, Matt Doyle's put posted an article a few rounds ago that talked about that. If you're winning those harder games, what's your excuse at home? 
you're missing players on the, on the away field. You're missing players at home. You're winning the harder games. You have to win the games you're at home. So I, even if he's going to be the one who's going to help build the roster, I think they need that to help replace some of those big names and just get the right new big names in there. And if he just steadies the ship, I think that's what Ellie needs right now. And having a new coach, I think, and have that reaction on the players to help get their minds out of the gutter that they have been in. And of course, the last... We've got a brother Dos Santos coming over here to uh, to join the team. Do you guys think that's going to be a big impact immediately? Is this their Lodero signing, Mike? I don't know uh, honestly much about him, but I mean that's the hype that's coming in that he's going to be instantly one of the best um, midfielders in MLS. Um, and if that's the case, uh, I think they could be, you know, certainly get up there. I, I don't know if they have too much work to do. I think Seattle was a little bit in a better position than the Galaxy are. To, to come back, but um, he's certainly going to be someone to watch for fantasy. I, I've just checked. He's not in the game yet, so we don't know a price point. I'm guessing he's going to be at least 10, maybe even 11. Um, maybe a 9.5. May, maybe a 9.5. It, it, it kind of, I mean... I would say lowest. Lowest, maybe a 9.5. 10's probably yeah. fair. Yeah, 10's probably fair. I mean, if if the, the powers that be believe the hype and think he's really going to knock the socks off, they're going to put him at 11. And I mean, honestly, it probably doesn't matter because you can afford him anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a different conversation. Um, but I mean, yeah, he's he's known he, he can be kind of a deep lying playmaker, kind of like Michael Bradley, but he can also be more aggressive. He can be a winger. We'll see what he where he ends up in Ziggy's uh, formation and how exactly he's going to fit with all the pieces with Alessandrini and Giovanni Dos Santos um, and Jossie Zardes. So uh, there's a lot of potential there for improving. Um, you know, GDS and maybe even Zardes, maybe he takes away a little bit from Alessandrini. We'll have to kind of see where exactly he fits. Um, I think the biggest losers are going to be Jermaine Jones and Joe Pedro from what I've read so far. So maybe if that's the case, everyone will benefit, but we'll have to see. Any final thoughts yeah, on I'm that, Blaine? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Mike. I really don't know much about him as a player. I mean, we know he's Giovanni's little brother. But I've really never got to watch him play. Um, did he even play with Mexico in the Gold Cup? I mean, I didn't get to watch a ton of those games, but I don't know. No, think they he went to Confederations Cup. Okay. Yeah. And just if he, if he can get in sync with his brother and get his brother's season turned around, uh, that could be your biggest fantasy impact right there. Other than that, I don't know if it's just more of the same. They might get a little bit better overall. Maybe he brings the defense back up to where we, we had it last year. But really, time will tell. I think he's going to be overpriced for what he's going to produce this year just because I'm not sure if he's going to be the playmaker that the team needs. Okay, final fantasy takeaways from round 21. Blaine and Mike, either one. Don't play Pirlo. Uh, Pick players who play against Pirlo. (laughs) (laughs) Single game, double game week, suck. Not enough options doing just two teams are playing on a double. Maybe that's Fair why enough. we shouldn't have double game weeks. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think, was, I think this was a pretty outlier uh, round. Um, some some great sparks, but a lot of pl- teams still got it done. Houston was scoring goals. Uh, Real Salt Lake was scoring some goals, which we didn't talk about them because Jay is not here. But yeah, they they did some stuff, and and that was good. That was kind of expected. Um, Chicago was scoring goals. Seattle has a defense that may be worth investing in over the next few rounds. So I think a lot of what we thought would happen. Did not happen, but some of the things that you hope happened at least halfway came through. So not not something I think people should overreact to. Moving on to housekeeping. Uh, at least now, there are no double game weeks. No buys. It's all-star game midweek, so that's, that's going to happen. But as far as regular games go, nothing crazy, no curveballs, a nice little bit of relaxation after some of the crazy that's been going on with all the international call-ups for the past few weeks. Uh, so look forward to to that, everyone. It'll be great. Uh, the games start on Saturday this week. That is the 5th. So enjoy a week-long planning period to decide on who you want to have on your team and what the best strategy is for achieving those high scores that we have been seeing all season long. <clears throat> Moving on to our Patreon. Thank you so much, everyone, who has continued to donate. I have some great news. I've gotten a quote for our scarves, so I am in the process of sending over some artwork so we can try to get a design made and get scarves ordered. And fingers crossed, 
get them in before the end of the season so that we can get those out to people who win and then anybody else will find some options to to get some scarves out there for reasonable donations uh, that's that's coming along everyone who might be wondering what patreon is you may have just tuned in for the first time then uh, patreon is a way that listeners of our podcast can donate back to help us support and continue to make the podcast it helps cover the fees that we have and some of the prizes that we like to give away well heck all the prizes that we like to give away to the listeners that we have, uh, the pint glasses, the scarves that are in process, the stickers. And so these are some expenses that we have that we feel like you all like, and your support helps us continue to do that because we don't make money off of this. <laughs> so if you are interested in helping support our project, you can head over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash M-L-S-F-I. And that brings us to the most important part of housekeeping, Mike's injury report. Okay, well, let's, let's start with the All-Star game. That happens Wednesday night. So he, let me quickly list out the players involved. So if you're interested in one of these players, just make sure they don't get hurt or watch their minute loads. It probably shouldn't be too big of an issue. Most of these guys play 30 minutes and they get subbed out. But just be aware. Uh, the names are Josie Altador, Dom Dwyer, Sebastian Giovinco, Nemanja Nikolic, David Villa, Kellen Acosta, Miguel Almoron, Michael Bradley, Giovanni Dos Santos, Kaká for some reason, Dax Licardi, Ignacio Piatti, Bastian Schweinsteiger, Diego Valeri, Demarcus Beasley, Greg Garza, uh, Grana, Hedges, Kappelhoff, Par Parkhurst, Jell Van Dam, and I know I said Jean Van Dam earlier, and I apologize. <laughs> uh, Graham Zusi and Stephen Fry and Tim Howard. So those are your all-stars, unless there's some last-minute substitutions in and out because of injuries. But that's what we're looking at so far. I think the only one on that list who's sort of injured is uh, Ignacio Piotti, who hasn't played 90 minutes uh, yet and seems like he's still working back into fitness. Um, as far as actual injuries, um, I don't know that there are any red cards that picked up into this weekend outside of Gilles Van Damme, um, who did the double, as I like to call it, who picked up both the yellow that earned him the yellow card accumulation suspension and then got another yellow that earned him a red card suspension. So he's out for two weeks. So you, you don't have to worry about him for fantasy. Maybe he'll play a long time in the All-Star game because he won't be doing um, much playing longer than that, uh, at least for the next two weeks. Uh, as far as actual injuries, Godoy is out two to three weeks um, with a left knee injury. Alseth left early for Toronto. Uh, I'm not sure what his injury is. Martinez didn't play. We still haven't gotten a good timeline. Uh, not sure if he'll be available this week. Uh, Blake, had, he had that hand injury in the Gold Cup final. Uh, he's out 10 days, so he should miss this week as well. And then uh, Sheru for TFC is out eight weeks. And then that's all the injuries and, and stuff I have. I know some people tweeted me a picture of Callens and Giovinco is maybe a disco situation for Callens. Uh, I'm not really sure. Just kind of watch that. And then uh, Portland is considering a time change to their game because of the heat. So if you're trying to pull off a switcheroo or something with uh, Portland and L.A., kind of be aware that they may be changing the time of that game. So that's all the injury news I have, unless uh, y'all saw something that I didn't. Um, just an amendment to the Blake thing. I think I tweeted one of those at you. They said 10 days from the incident to get the stitches out, and then they were listing him as day-to-day -day after that. So it's how long he can rehab after the stitches and get comfortable with his hand. Yeah, that, that's right. that, But it is at least 10 days. Well, great. Thank you guys so much. And Mike, as always, for that detailed injury report and that little jab at uh, the worthiness of the all-star team as well uh, <laughs> interesting choices interesting choices picked by fans so there are some very passionate fan bases and you guys did a very good job at supporting your team so kudos to you um, there's also an r slash fantasy mls fantasy uh, dream team that's been floating around uh, so head over to to the reddit site if you want to check that out uh, that was Started by Older Goaler, a longtime friend of the show and the site. So there are, uh, it's it's an alternate take, a fantasy take on on who the All Stars are, and and I think I was a lot of us were very satisfied with those names. I think so. so. I think our our fantasy team could beat the MLS All Star team. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh, the, them thars fighting words, sir. We better be careful with that. Uh, 
so let's move on to round 22. Help everyone plan for uh, this week. That's coming up at the end of the week, a uh, kickoff. So Blaine, uh, DC versus Toronto. Ooh. Yeah. Um, conventional wisdom says it should be another 4-0 win for Toronto. Really, with the way DC has been playing, even though they're at home, it's hard to bet against them. Uh, if you're somebody who likes to take a risk and load up on away game players, this is a time where it's really not a risk. So go ahead and load up. I could see running Giovinco, Josie, and Vasquez in this game. Um, I know it's always the big debate, is Giovinco worth the money? You can always afford him. But this week, there's a lot of good home options. And I almost like Josie better than Giovinco this week for this matchup. I don't know why. It's just gut feeling on this one. But I may be tempted to go Josie over Giovinco on this one. And honestly, you wouldn't go be wrong if you started looking at uh, Toronto's defense either. DC hasn't shown that they can score goals home or away. So... Why not load up here? Um, the safe prediction here is, like I said, 4-0. I'm honestly seeing this game go about go 2-0 to Toronto. I know there's a ton of offensive capability here, but I think DC just surprises people. They've done that a few times this year. You expect them to get blown out. They won a couple of those games. Um, I don't know. I just I expect DC to really play above themselves this time. So I'm going to predict 2-0, but conventional wisdom says 4-0. Okay, yeah, they have had several 4-0 games against them over the past four or five rounds. Uh, Chicken Bucket FC from Reddit did ask the question, uh, if you are going to go with road players this week because of all the great attackers uh, that are at home, you did mention several options from Toronto. Would you be willing to go all three of those players, or is two a maximum from Toronto that you'd be looking at for this game? Um, given the other options this week, I would probably only go with two of these. Okay. I really don't think you can afford to double up on on Josie and Geo this week because of the other games. If the other games weren't there, absolutely, I would probably grab all three of them. All right, Mike, Philly versus Dallas. I think this is interesting because, I mean, we see Philly's very much Jekyll and Hyde team, home versus away. They put up some very good home numbers, including this past week on the double game week, and then they, you know, they go on the road – to New England and get get hammered. Um, I think this is going to be a tough matchup for Philadelphia, though, because, and Matt Dole's written a lot about this, their only real offensive generator is Sapong. So if you have a smart defense that can sell out to stop Sapong, you can really shut them down. And Dallas is one of those defenses, even after the 4-0 shellacking, that can shut down Sapong, and I, I think we'll be able to do it. So I, I've got this as kind of a 1-1 slog, um, you know, with Dallas really messing up what Philadelphia is trying to do and move through Sapong. Um, I mean, your your normal options, I think, are, are decent bets here, but uh, I think you're generally looking elsewhere for this match because uh, one ones usually don't get you a whole lot of points, especially some of the uh, other weirder matches that, that are ripe for picking and differentials. But, um, I mean, maybe you go – Majunanin or, or Sapong, if, if you think, well, you know, Dallas's CBs are tired because they just came off the Gold Cup and, uh, you know, they have the all-star game because a number of the Dallas players are involved in Chicago. But I, I'm, I'm not looking for a whole lot of options here. Okay, Blaine, Montreal versus Orlando. You gave us a little bit of a tease earlier on. Yeah, um, I really expect this to be a good game this time around. Um uh, Piotti could or could not be back. If he's back, that really helps out Montreal's chances. Um, I'm really predicting a 1-1 in this one. I think it's going to be kind of end-to-end stuff without too much finishing going on. Um, if Piotti's playing, which it's hard to it's hard to bet on that right now, but I could see him starting this one. Montreal really needs to start winning fast. So you've got uh, Piotti and Zamali for um, Montreal that you could look at. Um I really do think Lauren or Dwyer is going to score in this one. They're going to keep getting better. I think you're going to see somebody do that. Somebody's got to score one here, and it's going to be one of those two. Um, if you if you want to take a risk, Montreal hasn't been playing well. Even at home, they haven't looked the greatest. You may look at uh, Orlando's defense a little bit here, but I'm kind of excited to watch this game just to see what's going to happen and see how Dwyer and Piotti can mesh in with their teams again, but yeah, 1-1 one, one game here. Okay, Mike, Minnesota versus Seattle. 
Well, I think this past week showed just how much Minnesota was glad to have Caldwell back. Um, it really does remarkable wonders for their defense to have him playing again. Um, that said, I mean, this is going to be a, a tough matchup for them. Uh, but, I mean, the big question for Seattle has been the question that they have all year long is is can they fit Dempsey and Morris and Ladero on the same team? Now, there, there are some signings. I think there was a leak of a signing this week. I don't know if any of them will be available for this game, but I know Seattle is making some moves. But uh, as far as this game, I, I think Joe Jones is going to give uh, Minnesota a lot of problems. They, their real weakness is on the wings, and if Joven Jones can press up forward and and you know create chances that way, I think Minnesota is going to have a real problem uh, stopping them. So I think this is a two win, two one road win for Seattle. Um, I, I could see it as a draw too, but uh, I, I'm going to pick Seattle. Um, I I think fantasy wise. Um, I, I think Joven Jones, like I said, uh, if you want to take a risk on one of the Seattle players uh, forward, you know, Morris or Dempsey or Ladero, personally, I don't think they've been consistent enough to justify it considering their price. But, um, I mean, Minnesota is always an interesting matchup, so I wouldn't blame you if you went there. Okay, Blaine, Chicago versus New England. Yeah, um, Peter Vermey said Chicago was the best team in the league, and – when Akam is playing, they really are one of the best teams in the league. Uh, but that leads to a huge talking point right here. Uh, what's going on with Akam in Chicago right now? I've heard he's upset that he got left off the all-star roster by his coach after not getting selected in the fan 11. And he's put in a request for a transfer. And he's played off the bench the last couple of games. I mean, Chicago with Akam is a devastating team. So keep an eye on what's happening this week with that. Uh, without a com, they're not quite the same team, but they're still good. Um, and New England on the road has struggled this year. I like a lot of the players for New England in their home matchups, but in this one on the road, they've struggled. I could see this one being 3-1, that's my prediction here, or 3-0 to Chicago. Um, you really got to be looking at Nico and um, Kappelhoff or Mira on this one for the defensive side. Um, Schweinsteiger hit or miss uh, i think with the way new england plays defense this is a week you could take a risk on him i think there are better options this week so he's not on my list of players to grab but if you if you do like the way he plays and want to take a risk on that one you can but i mean if a comms really struggling that much with this um this could be a 1-1 game and because uh, chicago got an own goal without him on the field this week at kansas city i mean it was an own goal off of matt beasler Really nice deflection up over Melia, one of the only things he can't save. And then Akam comes in partway through the second half, scores the other goal, and really makes a game of it, um, push Kansas City back a long ways. But without him, they just look they look dead. Okay, Mike, Colorado versus Vancouver. Yeah. You don't think Vancouver can get it done on the road again? Nope. <laughs> no, I mean, th this is, you know, Vancouver obviously had got the, with the beneficiary of one of Dallas's, you know, inexplicable shellackings at home this past week. But I, I still don't think that that's an amazing throw in. <laughs> I, I still don't, I mean, the, the problems are still the same. And Colorado has, you know, generally been pretty, pretty good at home. So th this is going to be a low scoring game. I, I think this is one nothing Colorado. Um, I think this is a pretty decent clean sheet shout. Um, I don't know if I love it, but um, I, I think you you could look at some defenders here for for Colorado. Um, you know, Tim Howard I think is an interesting goal goalkeeping option this week. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think Vancouver on the road at Colorado is, is good for them, even though they just had success at Dallas. Hey, Blaine, RSL versus Houston. Oh, Jason's going to love me for this review. Um, I really do like RSL's chances this week. Um, yeah. All his talk about these players all season long, and it's finally coming to fruition. I mean, I guess a blind squirrel finds it out every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but seriously, uh, Plata and Rusnak just look so much better with Savarino in the lineup. 
Severino may or may not be getting the points every week. I know that he's had a few good weeks and a few down weeks, but he's completely changed the way this offense looks. Uh, sorry, Yaron. Uh, doesn't look like you're going to be playing much anymore. But yeah, so these two are definite threats every week. Um, if they've got the right matchup, and we know this is a good matchup, Houston's road form has been awful. What, one win? And wasn't that out of L.A.? I can't remember where they got their win. but the, and They the, just got their win at D.C. Um, Houston no, shouldn't have won okay. in L.A., though. Yeah. So, I mean, they won in D.C. Um, big deal on that one. So, uh, don't look at anybody from Houston here, but RSL's offense should definitely be there. Um, chance as well. Um, Gladden Ramondo or Glad another defender, could be a really good pickup this week. I know Houston's got a lot of offensive weapons, but the healthy RSL defense is very formidable, and it's it could be worth the risk for a clean sheet on this one. Uh, Scoreline, I'm predicting 2-0 RSL. Ooh, Jason, somewhere in the U.S., there's a tingling going on in Jason's mind, and he's thinking, someone's speaking kindly of RSL. <laughs> well, it's us, Jason. That's what's happened. Okay, Blaine, keep us going. San Jose versus Columbus. Ooh, I really like this matchup. I think this could be an interesting game to watch. Um, uh, I like San, Jose, San Jose's defense in this one. I know Columbus has struggled a little bit. I know Ola Kamara is fairly good, which thanks, Jason, for pointing out that he's an RSL killer. That really helped my fantasy team last <laughs> week. But, yeah, I just I don't see him getting it done in this one. This is probably my best clean sheet chance on the week. I do like Bingham and Lima this week as that. And you could look at another defender here. I think offensively, there's not really too many players to look at here. I just, I don't like San Jose's chances going forward. And there's too many goal scoring options that you can just never nail down the one guy who's going to score. Um, I don't know what was up last week. I think Adoy sat out. Um, if we hear more on that, I'd love to know what's going on there and why he didn't play. Maybe it was just to get a little bit of rest after the Gold Cup because he played. No, he's he's there. hurt. He's out two to three weeks according to one report. Oh, it's not, two weeks. not not like a, your normal good San Jose report, but there is a report out there that says he's two to three weeks. Okay. So with that said, probably avoid him. He is a tempting matchup, but if they don't flag him red, then follow Mike's advice and don't don't bite on this one because I know he is a tempting player when you're looking at a San Jose clean sheet. Uh, score prediction in this one, one out of San Jose. I think they find a way to get it done. Mike, New York City versus New York Red Bulls. Big game. Yeah, uh, another Hudson River Derby. Um, the first matchup, well, there have really been two matchups. First one, uh, Red Bulls won 2 nothing, but a lot of that had to do with Maxi Morales' injuries. Uh, mid-game. Uh, Max Morales will be able to play um, this game, so I'm assuming that Herrera will play and Andrea Pirlo will not play. Um, even though Red Bulls have been hot, they've been hot against some really bad teams. So I think New York City will be able to win this 1-2-1. One, one. Uh, I think Maxi Morales is, is going to be a key player here. Uh, I could also see uh, Herrera and Ring uh, picking up bonus points, doing defensive actions, kind of shutting down the, the revitalized um, Red Bull attack. But um, if if you're looking for a New York City killer, it's it's Bradley Wright Phillips. He seems to score against us every single time. I was kind of shocked he didn't score uh, the, the game earlier this year. Um, he he just loves to score, and you know taunt the new york city fans so if if you're looking for a road differential i think uh bwp but I, i'm gonna say a 2-1 win for new york city because new york city doesn't keep clean sheets at home and bwp's been on a good run of form lately too yeah uh name you did not mention via is he is he worth a look this week yeah i mean the Red Bulls have generally been able to contain Via, and and Via's kind of had to use you know other people to in, to get the goals. We we saw that the last time, um, but I mean he you know Dog Via at home is pretty much always a consideration. So uh, I don't I'm not as high as him this week as I am on on other weeks. But uh, I mean with what he's done this year, every time he's at home, he's one of the people you have to look at. Sure. Okay, Mike. One more Portland versus LA Galaxy. 
Well, th- this is going to be interesting because Portland's pretty good at home. And then LA's, you know, your one good road team. And then you throw in um, Jonathan Dos Santos into the mix. Uh, I could see this being a really high scoring game. I think Valeri's a really good option here. I think you could also go Alessandrini. Um, and kind of depending on how much we get a sense of, I, I think Dos Santos will play, but maybe only as a substitute. So I don't know that he'll do a whole lot, but uh, I really like Valeri this week. I, I think Adi's someone to look at as well. And, um, especially because they're going to have JVD out for LA because he's suspended. So I think Portland's going to get, I think this is probably like a three, one or a three, two win for Portland, uh, LA, you know, on the road, they're decent shouts, GDS and Alessandrini. But, uh, I really think Valeri might be a must have this week. I think I lean more towards that three, two scoreline because Portland has had a history lately of dropping a lot of points. Yeah, I mean, th- their defense is is terrible, too, so they, they can't keep anyone out of the net. So, really, anytime you have this, these kinds of matchups, you're kind of looking at people from both sides. Okay, Blaine, last game, Sporting Kansas City versus Atlanta. Yeah, so this is best defense versus what was considered the best offense, and I'm really sad Martinez isn't going to be playing in this one because this could be a lot of fun to watch if they were to battle it out fully. Being said, Atlanta's still a powerful offense coming into Kansas City. Um, so this is going to be a fun one. This is really hard to predict fantasy-wise. Um, I'm going with a 2-1 to Sporting on this one just because I like the way they've turned it around without Dwyer. I like the goal-scoring threats they've had. I think they're they're going to keep it up in this one. But Atlanta's just too potent to for Sporting to keep them out of the net. And really, they – they were a little shaky this last week on defense and it wasn't a dominant performance. We had, we had, we've been used to seeing all year and this was a full strength squad back. So really don't have too many fantasy picks on this one. And it's so late in the week that you can't really take a flyer on a shallowy or something to see if he's going to get a start. Maybe put him in that first spot of a switcheroo and then go to a more proven player. You're having to uh, switch into one of these guys without knowing their score, which makes it tough. So I really don't have any fantasy standouts. Um, You look at the Atlanta guys, I don't think they're going to put up the numbers that you expect here in this game. And Kansas City has a tendency to shut down superstars at home, so they will tee off on somebody, and that's going to be who they lock down, whether that be Vialda or Almiron. um, One of those guys will probably get shut down, and I don't know if the second guy is going to be able to really do that much on their own. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys, for those picks and those uh, breakdowns. Now let's move on to the player recommendations, captain's choices, and clean sheet chances. So let's start it all out with uh, you, Mike, with keepers. I just have one pick this week because I I think defense is pretty rough this week. Uh, I have Lampson. I'm running with Bingham right now. Okay. Defenders, Blaine. Um, I got a few clean sheet chances out there, and so I'm gonna just kind of shotgun it, and I'm gonna have Glad Kappelhoff and Lima on this week. Uh, right now I have um, Moro and Collins in a switcheroo with uh, Lima and Mira. And midfielders, Mike. Uh, going with a five-man midfield this week: Rusnak, Schweinsteiger, Valeri, Zamali, and Morales. So Rusnak, Schweinsteiger, Valeri, Zamali, Maxi Morales. Well, yes, I, I write these down for the chalkboard, and so sometimes you guys <laughs> go a little fast for me. Blaine, midfield. Well, I'll give you the first two in order so you can write them down. Rusnak and Valeri, so you just have to put a couple marks there. <laughs> uh, I'm actually thinking about running a four-man this week or possibly running a 4-3-3. So I've got Vasquez and Royer in there right now, but Zavaleta is probably going to be the first leg of a switcheroo with Royer. If TFC can get the clean sheet, I'll let him take over. If not, I'll try Royer out on the road. Yeah, he's been on fire, to say the least. And uh, forwards, Blaine. Well, I uh, said I was going to looking at a 3-4-3, so it's got to be three forwards. Um, Giovinco, Plata, and Nikolic this week. I have uh, Nikolic and Josie Altidore. And Captain Mike. I have it on uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger, the captain of the All Star Game. Keep keep it <laughs> keep it simple. Okay, okay, Blaine. 
I have no idea at this point. I I really think you got to go with Valeria at home in a lot of instances, but Rusnak's been playing so well, and Houston is just that bad. I mean, you've got a you've got a lot of good options on this one. Uh, we'll go with my gut and say Valeri for the chalkboard, but that is subject to change. Okay. And finally, clean sheet chances, Blaine. Uh, where to begin? Uh, TFC on the road is definitely a possibility with the way D- DC's been playing. Um, Chicago's got to be on watch. I know I didn't say it in the review, but they are definitely there. And then RSL, San Jose, I'd put four of them on there this week with good wow. shots of getting it. Mike? I have a very different approach. I think you have very bad poor, uh, clean sheet chances. Uh, I think Chicago probably has the best one um, because New England's been pretty bad on the road. But, I mean, some of the others that Blaine mentioned, you're, you're still talking about good offenses um, that just haven't clicked on the road, and that's not the best clean sheet chance. You know, Houston uh, can easily get it together, especially since they will be – I think Martinez will be available for them to play. Uh, this coming week. Lima will be playing Columbus. They may or may not have Higuain back. So to me, I think Chicago is your best clean sheet chance. Um, if I have to give a second one, I'll, I'll go TFC since DC's struggling to put anything together. But um, I, I really think this is an offensive week, not a defensive week. I mean, when when we had the question about the road players on as potential attacking options, that's an offensive week. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's just a couple of games, though. When you look at Seattle playing Minnesota, uh, Toronto playing D.C., and Atlanta being on the road as a hot team, and then even with the way New York Red Bulls have played the last couple weeks in that small stadium, I mean, there's some powerful teams right there playing on the road that everybody's asking questions mm-hmm. about. I don't know if it's specific to these couple of matchups. Well, I mean, I think it's um, – I will def- – Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say I think it's – it's a product this week of the best defenses playing good offenses. Sporting Kansas City's playing at home, but they're playing yeah. Atlanta. Um, you know, New York City is playing the New York Red Bulls. Um, you know, even Chicago is playing New England, who's been a little bit better of, of late with win, and now they got their full complement back. Um, so, so to me, it's just like the good. You know, generally the defenses that you look at, they just have really tough. Um, attacking teams coming into their building. That, that's where it's a tough clean sheet week for me, at least. So before we move on, I want to uh, go back and ask one question that I skipped that came from Reddit. And uh, the gist of this question is, how are you all justifying to pick three forwards? And I think, Blaine, you've done that this week. Mike, you haven't, so it, maybe you can answer this better. Uh, there's so many good options uh, at midfield, and oftentimes, and you were even saying this, Blaine, some good clean sheet chances. How are you justifying a third forward over some of these other offensive players or defensive bonus point chances? Honest answer, I'm currently 186 in the overall standings, and that is – after a couple of down weeks and I was top 100 at one point um, I'm putting a third forward out there because I still want to finish the season top 100 and I have slipped the last few weeks. It's time to rebound and it's time to take some chances. And there isn't, I haven't seen a better week to go for a third forward than this week right now. Um, I think you've got too many options to pick from I mean, like I said, Josie and Giovinco, there's one choice. Nikolic, Plata, um, Via is another solid option. Adi against LA could do some damage. I mean, you've got too many options here that it's just, you've got to go, you almost have to go with three. Somebody's going to go off this week, and you you may be trying to catch lightning in a bottle here with three of them, but I'm trying to make up ground, so that's my huge take right there. Hey, Mike, slightly different for you. I know you're a big fan of the five-man midfield. What does a forward have to do to justify being a third man for you? I mean, to, to me, they've got to justify. Either they've got to be at least putting up some bonus points where I can expect them to get uh, you know, a four if they're not hitting a goal, or for me to think this is just such a good matchup, they can get a goal or, or two. Um, you know, with Nikolic at home against New England, that's that kind of matchup. Altidore on the road. That's where he does it for me. For me, I've been unimpressed with the forwards this year. That's why I'm going with the five-man midfield. It's 
you know, the the, four, the midfielders I pick, like I can easily see most of them getting eight points easy, maybe more if, if things go well. That That's what happened for me this week. Um, you know, Blaine said he's kind of gone back a little bit. I've had the opposite experience. Since I switched to the five-man midfield, because usually I've done 3-4-3, three, three, since I switched to the five-man, that's where I've seen most of my um, rank rises except for this past week, which is the weird double game week. So to me, the the consistent results are in the midfield. Um, and also, I, it also, I also like it because it allows me to, to tip, uh, dip my hand in a bunch of different games. So, you know, Blaine's really high on RSL. Well, I've got Rusnak, I've got Schweinsteiger, I've got Larry. I've got all those, you know, all those big games we talked about. I've got a little bit dips in, and if something happens, usually Schweinsteiger or Valeria Rusnak will have some sort of hand in it. So I can at least get, you know, something, if not everything, from those guys, and all those guys are goal scorers on their own. Uh, well, maybe it's not Schweinsteiger, but his bonus points are so good at home that you can't you can't pass them up. But that that's the way I look at it. To me, the forwards have just been so unimpressive this year, and just unless it's a great matchup, I, I pass. Yeah, absolutely. Great. I want to jump. I want to jump back in on this one. I completely agree with what Mike's saying here. I last year I was struggling to stay top five hundred uh, as I was still really learning the game. Yeah, I switched to more of a five man midfield this season. I ran pretty much exclusively three four three last year, trying to get the big points, and it was sort of balancing out week in and week out. But since switching to the five-man midfield this this year, uh, I like I said, I was top 100 for a little bit there. I've fallen back. I'm staying top 200 even with some of the in-and-out weeks. But, yeah, your five-man midfield is definitely your safer pick. Um, like I said, I'm trying to catch up right now, and I think this is a prime week to do it. So that is one of my key factors in picking three mid or three forwards this time. Normally, I am looking at a five-man midfield, or at least a uh, do a do what is it a three-five-three with a switcheroo between one of your midfielders and forwards. That way, you can get one of your scores. You either put that fifth midfielder in, or throw your third forward in if you can find them at the right price and can budget it. But, so yeah, I am a proponent of the five-man midfield overall, but I think this week is one that's too good to pass up. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for all of those breakdowns and tips and insights into round 22. I hope everyone listening found that helpful and has some ideas for how they want to craft their team and their formation for the upcoming round on Saturday. Now, wrapping things up, moving on to community time, my favorite part of the show, the r slash fantasy MLS top scorer this round was Kevin Allwell, manager of the team, finish Kevin with 140 two points guys that's just one point off of the overall high score for the entire round so big hand to kevin good job man you killed it this round uh, i wish i could be saying the same thing for my team because the mls fantasy insider hosts head-to-head league i have fallen and i have fallen hard from first to fourth in one round. Oh no, so awful, so awful. I lost to Fantasy Football 24-7. Good job, guys. 107 points to 81. They are now number one overall. I am fourth, uh, just behind Blaine by points. Jason took on Andrew Crawlard and also lost uh, 186 to 116. Uh, That was not the highest score, though, of our entire group. Uh, Blaine, how did your game go? Um. I squeaked out a win against Guy Sanchez, 82 to 72. I do not believe he made any transfers this week. I think he missed it. Honestly, that's not a surprise with what we've talked about. Some on the side, yeah, it does uh, no transfers this week. So I barely beat him. I got really lucky. I think I had the fifth lowest score this week. I think there were only four players lower than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> Because of that, I didn't actually move up to first. Had I been able to put up even a more respectable score, I probably could have kept pace with Fantasy Football 24-7, who was third last week, and, but instead I stayed in my number two spot. Hey, a win's a win. That's all that matters. Uh, Mike, your game against yeah. Phil. Yeah. yeah, just to you know, keep dumping on Dallas. Uh, Phil lost to me uh, 87-83, so uh, I'm moving into 12th now. Yeah, so uh, I'm making the glor- glorious uh, Ladero-esque comeback uh, here right now. 
on the way up, on the way up. Uh, Ivan from Fantasy Football first took on Travis, and Travis beat him 104 to 93. A good game. Tim Shaw took on Andrew Wiebe, and Tim had a very rough round, 59 points. Fortunately, he played the taco. Andrew Wiebe got 46. Congrats, Tim, on your win. And then uh, one of the closest games the entire round, Simon took on Ben Bear from MLS, and Ben with his highest score of the round, 117 to 108. Poor Simon was just not able to keep up with two very strong scores. So congrats to Ben Bear. Round 22, Mike is taking on Simon. Mr. Guy Sanchez is taking on Tim. Andrew Crawler is taking on Ivan from Fantasy Football First. Fantasy Football 24-7 is taking on Phil. Ooh, that'll be a good game. Uh, Jason is taking on Blaine. Ooh, that's going to be fun banter right there. Blaine, I hope you guys get that going. I am taking on Andrew Weeby. A well-deserved win for me is in the works. And uh, Travis is taking on Ben Bear. So that's what we have coming up for round 22. Lots more fun in the uh, MLS Fantasy Insider Hosts. Head-to-head league is on the way. That's all that we have for the show tonight. Guys, do you have anything you want to plug? Blaine? Uh, Not tonight. No, just MLS injury news. Follow me, tweet at me with injury stuff. I always appreciate it. All right, well, thank you so much, everyone, and thank you, Lily, for coming on to the show tonight. Great insights, as always. Uh, You can catch everything that I do over at MLS Fantasy Soccer, where I have a top 50 players for August, and I'm also going to have my usual picks column coming out. And head over to MLSFantasyBoss.com, where we have all the charts and stats and XG numbers and and player picks and, and everything that comes out throughout the entire week. It's, uh, it's a very good resource, if I do say so myself. And finally, head over to r slash fantasy MLS at the Reddit community, where you can partake in all of the discussion and rate my teams and anything that you may want to post to get insight and feedback on as well. So it's a fantastic community that's grown up over the past few years, and everyone is very, very helpful. So that all being said, thank you so much, everyone, and good luck.